It's just a privilege to be able to, to grow an animal and um, give it the life that it needs to have and that you know, it was bred to have and, uh, and then see that on a plate somewhere down the, down the line. It's, it's just very re rewarding. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Mirabooka Pork is a producer of truly pastured pork. Located at Mirabooka Park near the township of Lawrence in northern New South Wales, it's run by farmer Scott Graham, who has set up their farm to give the pigs the best possible life. Scott, how are you? Hey, good, Anthony. How are you? Good. It's good to get you on the show. Tell us a little bit about the region. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's the northern rivers of New South Wales. Um, I would say that where Lawrence is, is coastal, um, we're only, as the crow flies, about uh, 40Ks west of uh, Yamba on the, on the coast. We're north of Grafton and south of Casino. So uh, basically we're just off the floodplain of the, uh, the mighty Clarence River. Beautiful part of the world. What's so great about the regions for pig farming? Um, that's a good question. It's, you know, I think that, yeah, on average, the rainfall is about 800 um, uh, mils a year. Um, having said that, we've had three times that um, since late, late February uh, this year. So it's been quite an extraordinary amount of rain that we've had. Um, but it doesn't get too cold, doesn't get too hot. And, um, and, and I guess the other re um, reason that we sort of chose this area uh, is that um, it's reasonably close to to the abattoir that we go to, which is another important part of you know how we look to sort of manage our pigs without having to you know put them on a long trip um, on that last day. So, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's a lovely lovely neck of the woods of New South Wales. Give us a sense of life on the farm for the pig. What's the day to day like for them? Well, we're certified free range um, through APIC, and which means that you know we, you know, our, our pigs are are in open paddocks, and they, you know, they get to sort of use their own natural instincts that you know they, they've had um, over many many years, um, and you know they don't. Um, there's there's this no. Uh, well, they just get to do whatever they'd like to do. You know, at this time of year when it's starting to get uh, warmer, they do spend a lot of time in, in the wallows that we make for them. Um, and uh, and now with our grower pigs and, and our sort of advancing um, what we want to do here on the farm, they get to ad-lib uh, feed. So they've got feed bins to, um, to you know, eat when they want to eat. Um, I guess tradi traditionally we've been... Um, hand feeding all of our pigs um, and, and we'll still do that with our breeder pigs um, in our um, various you know um, boar and sow paddocks but and and for certainly for the the uh, sows that have farrowed recently but um, yeah it's just been very very manual for us up till recently um, and now that with we've got these uh, ad lib feeder bins we'll, we'll find that the pigs will eat just like humans, I guess they just eat when they want to eat, and um, you know the 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 more timid pigs, and you do see this when you hand feed them in in a trough. Um, that the you know the more timid pigs will hang back, and and therefore you know they're probably not 
getting what they want to eat when they want to eat. So this ad lib feeding will help you know, build uh, an even, um, you know, advancement of, of each pig as they go along because they just eat when they want to eat. There's no real bullying at the trough or at that the feeder bin, um, and they'll they'll graze all day long and they'll only you know they'll only eat what they want to eat. But um, yeah, with the different breeds of pigs that we have. Yeah, they, they want to eat at different times and, and the nature of the pig themselves. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start hopefully warming up um, soon. Like I said, we don't get it too hot here. Uh, it does get into the 40s a couple of days a year, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's not a bad place. Um, and obviously with all the rain that we've had, uh, yeah, and there's supposed to be another wet summer, but um, we'll – We'll um, build more wallows shortly, and um, and uh, they can do whatever they they like to do. You mentioned that they live uh, with their natural instincts on the farm. Do you have any funny stories of the life of a pig and and what you have to deal with um, farming pigs? Oh, look, they're just a you know they're just a great animal to deal with. Um, I, I think that you know a lot of the stories that we have. Uh, <laughs> And we, rightly or wrongly, we name our, our breeding herd. Um, all the sows have got a name, and, and as do our boars. And you, you can see each boar has a profile on our on our website. Um, so uh, they, I guess, they just have each of them have got you know different personalities. Our boars are, are just you know um, they're with us obviously a lot longer. Um, our very first boar uh, is. Um, He's a he's a he's a fella called Floppy. Um, he's <laughs> Floppy by name, but not by nature. Yeah, he 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 was on the farm when we bought the farm because it was already an existing uh, free range pig farm, and he's uh, sort of a mixture of large white, um, and he's got a bit of um, large black in him as well. But you know, he's he's a white coloured pig. But he's been with us from the from the start. He he's probably too old now for, for us to rely on him being a you know, a breeding boar, but he's he's there. He's you know he's what got us going. Um, so he he's got his own paddock now with a couple of older um, sows to sort of you know live out his life. Um, but yeah, when we first started, it was it was a very very hot day. I remember it, and and, and we were still you know very um, early stages of our understanding of how to deal with pigs, but. He got to a point where he was uh, overheating, and um, he, we thought that you know, we were going to lose him. And we raced down to uh, to the to the dam, and 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 basically just bucket put buckets of water over him, and he, he cooled down pretty quickly as the sun was setting. But um, and then only probably less than forty minutes later, he was he was serving a sow. So he 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 he. Um, He's just been great for us, but uh, and in those early days, you know, just just uh, not knowing what we were doing properly, um, that was that was just a highlight. It's just a memory that stayed with us, and that you know that was almost six years ago now when that happened. But yeah, they just got a, a personality about them. You know, right right as soon as they're born, they um, you know they're, they're they're just so inquisitive these animals, and uh, they're, they're great to be around. I want to explore what you're doing uh, there in detail a bit. Uh, later on but take us back to when you were young what, what sort of role did food play in your family um well i i've i'm i'm half italian so on my mother's side uh um you know they're, they're italian people they, they love their food as you you know well imagine um they my my mother came over 
to Australia when she was nine. And, um, you know, my grandparents, um, you know, they were just traditional in the, in the way that they cooked their food. And and they never lost that, even though they'd been in Australia for, for many, many years. And, yeah, the, the food was just all uh, traditional Italian food and it was just awesome. I mean, she was even able to make tripe taste good. So, um yeah, I just I just remember all the different types of um, meats um, that she would make and different meals from those meats um, were just awesome. And I guess from a pork point of view, I probably it didn't have that. I, I still remember, you know, back in the day, pork um, was told to to everyone to you know you had to cook the life out of it so that you you know you, it was you didn't get sick and and probably didn't have the, the fat cover that you know that pork really needs that you know, I'd like to talk about a little bit later on um, and and how it plays um, a part in, in great tasting pork but yeah I, I probably didn't didn't really like pork back when I was younger um, yeah it just was always dry and, and that was my recollection of it and and part of the reason why I wanted to get into you know free-range pork farming when I got the chance to um, a couple of years ago. Tell us about that moment. Why did you make the move into um, pig farming? Uh, if that's not the uh, first question I get asked by everyone that knows me, um, you know, it's probably the second question. But, yeah, look, I, I, I actually um, – I work in the mining industry. I, I have for the last 30 years. I'm a mining engineer by profession. So I, I have no farming roots. There's no farming roots in, in our family, Um so, but I found I found the mining industry while it you know it was it provided for us as a family. Um, it just it's just a little bit soulless, and I just wanted to do something with meat. Um, I just I just had that concept. Um, you know, as, as most people do, you you watch some of these these shows, um, and uh, and you sort of get that um, desire to just do something different and and to make something and you know make, call it a midlife crisis or what i'm not so sure maybe my wife um, has said that a few times but I, I just wanted to do something different i wanted to do something with meat and and maybe that's the italian in me that sort of comes out but the uh the, the pigs seemed like a good idea um at the time, um, we did a bit of research, and I, I talked to a, a lady who's you know been a long time advocate for free range pigs, a lady by the name of Lee McCosker, and um, you know I spent a lot of time sort of picking her brain. Um, we did some training with her, and um, and and I guess it, there weren't that many free range producers in the market. Um, and going back to sort of 2016 now, and we're probably also in the hadn't probably reached the peak of the of the drought but you know there just wasn't that many free range producers in the market and I thought well let's give it a go and um, I guess uh, I have a probably have a, a huge appetite for taking risk um, and uh, just just decided to dive into the deep end and and give it a go so we just wanted to make sure that we got a place near um, uh, Bouillon, uh, which is our abattoir uh, up near um, between Casino, or sorry, between Lismore and, and Bangalore. And uh, we sort of just, you know, drew a circle around that and, and looked at started looking at places. And, and that's how, you know, Lawrence and this property um, came to, to be in our hands. What surprised you about pig farming when you first started up? Um, I think that uh, it's a good question. Um, what surprised me? I mean, I think everything. Um 
I think that the cost of the feed um, and, and I guess how much feed um, plays a part in the profitability of a, of a free-range um, pig operation like ours has and you know, I think that the drought and and the the you know the downstream impacts of the cost of um, you know, getting that feed to the farm and uh, including the transport. Um, how many other people that you have to rely on to to get a pig, uh, you know, a pig to a, a one of your butchers? Um, it's just yeah, you you have to rely on a lot of people and. Uh, and some people you, you never even meet. They, they, you know, the truck driver picks up a uh, a pig um, at the abattoir and has to take it to a butcher that I might have been um, trying to you know um, get to in Sydney. It's just you know people that all along that that supply chain that you know you just don't ever have touch points to um, that you have to rely on because you, you'll be raising that pig for five say five six months and you've put a lot of work and effort into it and it could go wrong pretty quickly and and i have i've had that experience a number of times um and has sort of then impacted on where we send well want to send our pigs and where we sort of look to get um you know more more clientele but um yeah certainly the drought and and that impact and and probably not quite not having a farming background and, and how much that impacts on the on the profitability of an operation um you know it's feeds about 70 percent of really the the, the cost of of running a, a pig operation and it's such a so therefore it's such a a massive um impact on the profitability so yeah it's uh and you know when we we got the place we weren't even fully in that the depths of the the drought, you know, that sort of came a, a few years later, and then 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 all whole hell broke loose with fires and, and then floods and COVID. But um, yeah, it's it's it certainly hasn't been an, an easy time of it. But um, yeah, I, you know, I think that if you you persevere, you'll um, you know, you'll you'll find uh, uh, you'll always find a way to, to get through. And um, I've been lucky enough that that the mining industry. Um, and the income that it provides me has allowed me to put this back into into this farm, so that we can we can make it bigger and better. Has, has your career in the mining industry as an engineer has that been useful in running a pig farm at all? <laughs> some would say yes, and some would say no. I guess <laughs> um, yeah, the, being an engineer and, and having I guess a level of um, detail, um, it probably actually hinders it. Um, it probably need to do a little bit a little bit more free flowing uh, with how things go, but. Um, yeah, it's certainly not. You know, pig farming is not to the tenth decimal point. That's for sure. But the uh, yeah, I, I, look, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'll probably look at things, you know, in a different way. Um, to I guess to traditional farmers and 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 how um, farmers have sort of been brought up. You know, you know in intergenerational farming families, perhaps. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's certainly it certainly helped me. Um, uh, I guess do the research and and see what it is and and perhaps I, I could have asked a few more questions but you know you know one of the things I think about farming is is when when I don't know if there is a really good time to start <laughs> like if you're not in the drought you should be preparing for drought um, I've been told that a few times and um, and there's so much there that we do rely on on other 
on, on other people. We don't have the ability to to do crops here on our farm to do it ourselves. Um, you know, wheat and barley are the main grains that we have to have in our in our pig feed, and we just don't have that ability to do that here on the farm like some other um, farmers can do um, out west, but. Um, we do have to rely on it. I'm, I'm actually relying on a, on a farmer at Inverell now to to supply us with our wheat and barley and, and I spoke to him the other day and, and he's flooded out. <laughs> so, so he's not able to to, um, you know, to to get that grain to us at the moment and, um, you know, it's just part and parcel of, of what we do. But, yeah. What breeds do you have and um, why have you selected those? Well, we when we got into got into it and we were you know getting ready to, to open the farm. Um, like I said, there, there was an existing farm here, so we got a few of there, or definitely floppy the the boar and, and a couple of other sows. Um, but we really just had to get what we could get, and there was a, a farmer at Dorigo that was um, uh, her and her brother were um, getting out, and uh, we got a lot of their breeding stock, which was just a mixture of all different types. Um, and and today, you know, there's some of those females in that line of, of stayed on, and um, and in particular, we had a large black sow that we got from um, from somewhere. <laughs> and when we first started, in fact, her name was Eve, so she was the first um, first female on the farm, and she she was great. She she actually had a, her her last litter for us. She had 21 piglets. Um, they were they were birthed and and she actually weaned sixteen of them, and uh, we kept that female line going through and and really they're they're fantastic um, sows and they're not um, they're not a, a full breed large black anymore because that's almost impossible um, to do these days in Australia but um, we've crossed them with a large white breed just to to I guess um, optimize the the fat score from them um, down the line but. Really, you know, we're not we're not a breeding concern. We, we it's really all about making pigs get getting pigs to um to the abattoir to to either sell um to to butchers or to uh, for us for for our own retail line, which we can talk about later. But um, yeah, I look, you know, I, I, I certainly look, we are a free range um, farm. We we need to have, you know prominent predominantly have um, pigs um, that are heritage bred or heritage breed. So we've got Berkshires, we've got Tamworths, we've got, um, as I said, large black and large white. Um, we've got Hampshires, we've got Duroc and uh, and now we're sort of probably leaning towards Duroc boars um, because we're an all-natural mating facility here. We don't do AI yet. Um, so I've, I've got some two really good young Duroc boars um, working their magic uh, down there at the moment and um, they're going great guns and it's, it produces a, a lovely pig, very, very hearty. I love the Berkshires. Uh, the Berkshire sows are fantastic. They are great, great motherly instincts and um, and their piglets are you know, almost indestructible. So um, they just don't have big litters. And, but the one thing about the Berkshire is, is the... Um, yeah, the meat that you get from a Berkshire pig is, is just simply awesome. A little earlier, you mentioned um, pork fat and the importance of that. Tell us a bit about what you do to get the best or the most amount of pork fat required and, and what is required. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, and it's certainly been a, a learning curve for us. Um, you talk to butchers and I, mean, I guess they're used to 
probably getting pigs from you know from uh, an intensive indoor um, pig um, piggery, and you know they're used to that sort of maybe nine or ten mil fat um, P two fat score. I guess as then as time goes by, um, and then I guess if you talk to a chef, you know that they'd, they'd like to see it as, as you know maybe a fifteen or sixteen, um, uh, because as we all know, fat equals flavour. But it's um, it's 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 been our biggest challenge is to get a, a constant um, P two fat score across all our pigs because we have all different. Um, uh, breeds, and we've um, we've and, and I'll talk a little bit more about the diet later. But the um, we've only been able to have a, a grower um, pellet that we get from Norco to date because of our you know, limitations around um, making our own feed and, and having silos, and and now, and also like I said before, the the hand feeding um, does cause you know the the timid pigs to sort of hang back and and perhaps um, not get as get their their dietary intake uh, as and when they need it, which all has an impact on on their final carcass type. So, you know, the, the butchers that we are with now, I've got some great butchers that we supply to, and, and even when we sell our pork ourselves at the markets, um, you know, we, we're able to talk about, you know, the benefits of, of having a, a decent um, back fat on, on, on a pig. And... You know, we feel that it's a, a, a fat score of 15. So 15 mils is, is really where we want to target as um, our pigs uh, as an average. So, um, you know, that sort of should meet everyone's requirements. Um, it might mean that some people have to sort of move away from what they sort of think is, is what, you know, a, a pork chop should look like um, because they feel that, you know, that that's a waste of money, but really, if if you want a, a you know a pork chop to taste good, you, you know you need a decent fat um, score, a bit decent back fat to to be able to get that flavour. Otherwise, you're really just eating that protein for the sake of eating it. Um, without the without the flavour, I don't think you know that any meat has got any real value to it, other than it's just a commodity. So, yeah, I think uh, for us, 15 mils is where we want to target at. Um, and you know we're hopefully you know um, flood levels receding aside, um, going to be making our own pig feed um, before too long, and, and we'll have diets for each of the different um, you know stages of a pig because they've all got different um, dietary requirements um, as they you know go through that five months of growing plus plus the you know the breeding the dry sow the breeding sow and boar and, and also a lactating sow and and her needs for being able to you know optimize um her you know colostrum output for for the piglets um yeah and how important are farmers markets for for you and your brand very important very very important um it means a lot more work for us i mean the easiest thing for us to do is just to grow pigs and, and sell them to butchers. Um, but, you know, we know, and, and we, as I said, we've got some great butchers and, and they talk uh, talk about us and we give them the information to be able to talk to their customers. But at the end of the day, they've got all sorts of um, proteins that they've got to sell and they can't spend as much time as we can talking about pork and, and pork fat and and what we do with our pigs as, as we like to. Um, and so that, that makes it very rewarding for us to, to get out there and um, to go to the markets. Our, our main market is at Yamba, um, 
the farmers and producers market at Yamba every Wednesday morning is is great because Yamba is a destination point for a lot of people. You know, we've got some great local customers, but we also get a lot of people coming up from Sydney and down from Brisbane and, and in between. And, and from out west as well. And, uh, yeah, we just love talking about our, um, yeah, what we do. And, and, and this is where I, I need to say that, you know, Mirabuka Pork is not just one person. There's, there's, a, there's a family here. Um, it's my wife, Jackie, my mother-in-law, Lynn, and, um, and Jackie's stepbrother, David. Um, there's just the four of us that run this operation. And, and, and so Jackie's, you know, her... She just loves talking about ways of cooking pork, um, and, uh, and and she can be sitting there talking to to people for a long time about uh, different recipes that we've tried here on the farm, and and um, and and go and try it, and and it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a great connection for us to, to talk to people about our pork, and and um, and and then yeah, that they take that little postcard away with them with our little logo on it, and and hopefully we get some you know repeat. Um, uh, customers out of it. Can you tell us a bit about some of the dishes that feature at home and cuts that um, the family enjoy? It's a great talking point for us. Um, <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, my wife and I, we've, we certainly, we, we'd love to cook each of us and Jackie is the, the main cook of, of the house um, by, by a long way. But um, I, I've always been an advocate um Certainly, of free range pigs of the four quarter. Um, I do love a bone in shoulder and, and done a number of different ways. Uh, the collar butt, um, call it a neck or call it a scotch, is, is also a, a great cut. Um, and it's just that ability to to turn that over time into uh, just a delicious dish. And it, it could be quite tough, right? You know, with with another half an hour left to go on the recommended cooking time and then in that last half an hour it just um just gets so tender and pull apart and and yeah it's just a great um it's just a great cut and i, I think that's because our pigs and if you can watch them they're running around and uh and they're just using that muscle and uh it's just yeah it's just delicious i think that there's a couple of recipes that we we like there's a there's a pork of in recipe um that we've got from the australian um, pig um at the pork.com.au website um that's a great meal at, at in the winter time um with, you know the vegetables it's just and you know, it just pull apart melt in your mouth uh, dish that's that's lovely you can never go past a you know a great pork belly but i i think that the best recipe that we've ever tried is a, is an eight hour um slow cook um at about i think about 120 and and you do you do the crackle at the end so um sort of against the the typical way of doing your crackle at the start but so it looks a bit average um until that last sort of 20 minutes and there's a, a peanut and chili a salsa that we that we put with it which is just awesome and and i think that in the past you know with belly you always get good crackle or i find that we always get good crackle but the meat can be a bit tough um with the eight hour slow cook um i found that the the meat um was very tender and just made it so much more worthwhile so yeah mm. after a career in mining how does it make you feel being out on the farm awesome in one word um i feel 
like it's 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 hard work uh it's physically demanding um and as i said we've sort of been hand feeding pigs so it's it is physically demanding it's definitely a um you know it, there is a, a time that that pre-range pig farming you know um you'll have to you have to call it quits because it's it's just it is a it is a physically demanding um business and activity set of activities but it is just it's just it's just very rewarding and um whereas i could be in the mining game do a lot of things and, and talk to a lot of people and and try and achieve outcomes um you know here with the farm you're doing it for yourself um you're producing uh, a product that people love and and also you know as we know the pig is is just a fantastic animal um you know you, you got fresh meat you've got smoked meat you've got cured meat you know it's just it's just such a versatile animal um as homer simpson was was famously um said at one point the magical animal called a pig so yeah it's uh yeah i, I just find that um you know we we don't we have a few neighbors but they're all a bit of a distance away and um yeah it's, we've got horses on the on the property we've got our five dogs and and I don't know, at the moment, probably about 300 and 350 pigs running around down in the paddocks. So it's, um, yeah, and doing the fencing and and um, doing wallows and preparing for, for summer um, or, you know, being there when uh, a sow farrows for the first time and, and you know, watching watching her sort of develop as, as a sow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not a, we, we definitely don't treat it as a commodity. You know, it's, we've, we've been given an opportunity to, um, to raise an animal in its natural environment or well, as natural as we could make it. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a way of life. You've had your challenges, um, with droughts and bushfires and pandemic and floods, um, as you've been building up the brand, but, um, you know, it's getting a great name for itself. What What are the plans for the next couple of years? Yeah, I, I think that we want to. Um, like we're, so we've got about fifty five sows now. Um, we we think that probably seventy seventy five would tap us out in terms of our ability to do it. Just the four of us. Um, so I think that uh, we'll we're going to build some more paddocks um, so that we can rotate our paddocks. Um, we're um, you know we've we've found a, a great um, um, breeding um, business or a, a, another farm that does um, we can get some new blood into our breeding stock. So um, uh, Eli at uh, uh, down there near Goulburn. Um, he he provides us with uh, um, ham rocks, so that's a, a Hampshire Duroc cross gilts, and we bought our Duroc boar from him. Um, so that we find, and and we get Hampshires from him as well. We're going to get a few more shortly. So that's Dewsbury pork. Um, but yeah, I think that we'd like to you know get some fresh blood in, a small fresh blood in, and uh, yeah, grow it up to about seventy five sows. Making our own feed is just is just such a major lever for us um, that we are you know so desperate to to get going. You know, with with the impacts of the floods this year, 
like we've had this, um, we've had an auger here on site. We've had a mix all here to make our and crush our grain and, and make our feed. We've got a silo. I'm just waiting on a shed to be built. Um, and so all of the infrastructure is ready to go to make our own feed. And, and now it's flooding again out in Varelway and, and we can't get the grain. So, you know, you got to... You definitely don't get into farming um, for quick rewards, and you have to have a you know a, a constitution for um, constant um, challenges and, and setbacks. Um, like we even we had yesterday, we couldn't take our pigs up to the abattoir because we had a breakdown of our of the of our uh, cart that takes it up there. Uh, so they'll, that's now another week away from us getting back up there. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think yeah, challenges aside. We think that you know we'll we'll just keep it you know expanding just sensibly, um, and yeah, just I'd like to find you know probably another two or three uh, butchers because we've got more pigs coming through now because of those extra gilts that we've we've put through into the into onto the farm, and uh, I guess form a relationship with someone who can. Um, uh, make us some cured meats. We, we've done a bit of that in the past, but um, now looking for someone new. And then um, for us, we think that we would like to start making our own bacon and, and ham ourselves. Our, um, our butcher uh, uh, makes all of our products at the moment. Um, and we send him two or three carcasses a fortnight for us to go to the, the markets with and uh, he does a fantastic job. Um, we'd like to start having a crack at that ourselves at some point too. So, yeah, no, it's um, it's a seven-day-a-week thing. You know, pigs are, it's it's like that. You've, you've got to um, make sure that they're being fed at least once a day by law. Uh, we do it, you know, twice a day when we're hand feeding. Um, that way we can look over the pigs. But, um, yeah, it's 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 a full-time thing. But over the next, yeah, couple of years, we'd like to be able to expand and make a few more products ourselves and, um, yeah, just get the name out there. Well, you've uh, won a few awards for um, your approach to farming. What do you love about what you do? Oh, it's um, just the ability that, you know, you're, you're, you're making something, you're, you're growing something that's, that is a, a live animal and you're ultimately you're, you're feeding people um, from, from that live animal. And I think that there's too much, I guess, and this is a personal opinion that maybe not everyone sh uh, shares with me, but, you know, um, you're eating something that's come from a live animal and, you know, you should should be respectful of that and it's not a commodity and there's probably a lot of that going on around us at the moment but um, for us you know we, we take a very hands-on approach um, like I said rightly or wrongly every every sow and boar's got a name but which we get attached to and becomes difficult at the end but the um, you know it's it's just a privilege to be able to to grow an animal and um, give it the life that it needs to have and that you know, it was bred to have and uh, and then see that on a plate somewhere down the down the line it's, it's just very re rewarding well scott it's amazing what you're doing and it's an honor to have you on the crackling today to hear a part of your story uh, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon great thanks anthony i appreciate it this is the crackling a deep in the weeds production in partnership with porkstar i'm anthony huckstep Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.